All right, now, if you would open your Bibles again with me to Genesis chapter 27. Last Sunday, I moved into the book of Exodus, looking at the questions, wanted to see the questions and answers from, from Scripture, but Wednesday night, I preached from the first half of Genesis chapter 27, and I saw a question uh, towards the end of the chapter that I want to deal with this morning. The title of the message is, Hast Thou But One Blessing? Hast Thou But One Blessing? In verse 30, it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob. Now you remember he thought he was blessing Esau, but he was really blessing Jacob. And Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of his father, of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made a savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest. I blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. That blessing shall not be reversed. He's been blessed, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. In verse 38, Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me. He just keeps saying, bless me. I want to be blessed. Bless me. Even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Esau wanted the blessing, didn't he? He wanted to be blessed. Here in, in this chapter and throughout Esau's life, Esau didn't want the blessor. He really wasn't interested in the blessor. You know, that's why he sold his birthright. And the birthright wasn't just, you know, the inheritance and the, and the blessing and so forth. It is a relationship with God. He said that Jacob took it from him. Jacob didn't take it from him. He sold it to him. He sold it to him for, for a bowl of beans. He wasn't interested in that relationship with God. He just wanted blessings. He wanted stuff. That's what he wanted. He wanted riches and stuff and trinkets. That's what he wanted. And that's why he asked his father, well, have you only one blessing? I mean, bless me with something. I'll be happy with any blessing. Just bless me with some stuff. And you know, Esau's nature and desire there, that's our flesh, isn't it? That's our nature. By nature, that's the way we are. We want stuff. Lord, just give me stuff. Give me stuff. Give me trinkets. Give me blessings. That's what we call blessings. And that's why man's religion is so prosperous because they promise people what they want by nature. They promise them stuff. Promise him stuff. Now listen, you don't have to, to, to feel guilty saying that the Lord's blessed you when he's given you stuff. Because he has. He has. There is no doubt it's a blessing of God to have health. Several people this week, um, this very week told me, the Lord's blessed me with health all my life long. I'm not going to complain now that it's failing. The Lord's blessed me. You're right to say, if you have health, Lord blessed you. Lord gave that to you. You can say, the Lord's blessed me. He's given me enough money to, to pay my bills. He's he given me a comfortable home to live in. If you have that, that's a blessing from God. God's blessed you. There's no question about it. 
It's a blessing from God. If our children are they're healthy and they're happy, you know, they're, they're doing well in life, they're not on drugs or not in jail or something, that's a blessing. I mean, certainly it is. Those things are blessings. I'm, I'm not saying that, that they're not. They are. But those things, that's what, that's what Esau was seeking. Those things, are, though, are not the blessing from God. They're not the blessing. Those things are blessings. They're not the blessings our soul must have. I mean, I like enough money to pay my bills, but, you know, I can do with less. Right? I mean, you know, I'd like to have health, but, you know, eventually it'll be gone. It's, those are not blessings my soul must have. The blessing from God is the blessing I must have. See, all those other things that we call blessings, and they're blessings, but all those things, they'll be gone someday. You may have them now, but they'll be gone someday. You're not going to take them with you. But the blessing that God gives his people can never be lost. And it can't be undone. Like Isaac told Esau, I blessed him and he shall be blessed. It can't be reversed. When God blesses his people with the blessing from God, those things can never be lost. And it's only one. We're not talking about a bunch of different things. There's one blessing from Almighty God to his people. Esau, he just wanted any blessing, didn't he? He wanted any blessing. The believer can only be satisfied with one blessing. One. It's the blessing of Christ. To know him, be found in him, to be redeemed by him. That's the blessing of God. Now let's look in scripture and see if that's not so. First, look over at Genesis chapter 39. Here's the first thing about the blessing from God. They're all in Christ. The blessing of God is in Christ. Look at Genesis 39, verse 5. This is when Joseph, he'd been sold as a slave in Egypt, and this man named Potiphar had bought him. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Now, if God ever blesses any sinner, it's for Christ's sake. And that's what's pictured here in Genesis 39. Potiphar was not blessed because Potiphar did anything right, did he? Well, Potiphar was a heathen. He was Egyptian. Potiphar was blessed for Joseph's sake. See, what God did is he blessed Joseph. God blessed Joseph. And that overflowed onto Potiphar. Potiphar got some benefit from that. I have to give you a modern day illustration of this. A number of years ago, um, I was working for a company, had a man I worked with, I counted him a dear, dear, dear friend. He was very dear to me. And uh, we worked closely together. And um, we got, he and I got this opportunity to go up to the University of Kentucky when Tubby Smith was coach of the men's basketball team. And we got to go in and watch a basketball practice and tour the facilities and things afterwards. And he told me, he said, why don't you take your brother with you? And you, you and him go, I, said, well, I thought you and I would go, you know? And he said, no, he said, take your brother. He said, you tell Jonathan, my love for you overflowed onto him. That's why he's getting this. It's not because I love him. It's because I love you. And that's why he's going to get to go. 
That's what happened to Potiphar. God's blessing on Joseph overflowed onto Potiphar. And he became rich. He became richer because God was blessing Joseph. Now you see the picture? God's blessed his son. The father has blessed his son. He's given him every blessing for his people that he promised he'd give him in the covenant of grace. And God's elect are blessed for Christ's sake. Never for our sake. Never because of what we've done or what we haven't done. It's always for Christ's sake. We haven't done anything right, have we? But our Savior did. He did everything right. <laughs> he did everything right. And the Father blesses His Son because the Son did everything the Father sent Him to do. The Father loves the Son. And He blesses the Son. And His people are blessed because we have a relationship with the Son. When the Father blesses the Son, He blesses everybody in His Son. And the Father blessed His Son with every spiritual blessing. Every blessing that Christ earned for His people, the Father has blessed Him with. And the only reason you and I will ever receive any of those blessings is because we're in Christ. When the Father blesses His Son, He blesses His people. Whatever the Father gives to the, to the head, the body gets too, doesn't it? Now every other blessing we're going to look at this morning is part of the blessing, the blessing from God. Just remember this at each point. These blessings are only ours because Christ earned it. And they're ours in Him. We're blessed for Christ's sake. All right, now look at Psalm 3, the third Psalm. Here's the second point. God blesses His people with the salvation of their souls. Oh, we we just can't even truly understand in this life what a blessing it is that our souls be saved. That we be saved from our sin. That we'd be saved from God. We'd be saved from God's wrath. That we'd be saved from ourselves. We'd be saved from our sinful nature. We'd be saved from the power of sin. God blesses His people with the salvation of their souls. Their souls. God's blessing primarily. Now they're not physical blessings. When God blesses His people, it's spiritual blessing. Psalm 3, verse 8. Ask of me. Wait a minute, I'm in wrong. Verse, yeah, 3, verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Now, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's His to give. With sin, sin has been all, all against God. Salvation is His to give. And God the Son came and purchased salvation. He purchased it with His own blood. Now, it's His. It belongs to His. It's His by right, and He purchased it. He purchased it with His blood. Now, it's His. He gives it to whomsoever He will, when He will. It's His choice because He's the sovereign Savior. Salvation belongs to the Lord. But I'm telling you, He gives it to His people freely. You don't ever have to worry about God Almighty holding back on salvation. It's His to give. And He gives it to His people freely. Now let the doubting Worrying, fearful hearts of sinners be calmed. Not one of God's elect will ever perish. Not one. If Christ died for you, you can never perish. And you say, oh, but I'm so sinful. I'm just, uh, just oh, preacher, you don't, 
know how sinful I am. I'm so sinful. Well, that, that's true. But don't let your heart fear. Christ came to save sinners. See, I'm worried about you if you said, well, no, I'm a sinner, but I've done this and this and this right. Now I'm worried about you. Because your sin is not what's keeping you from the Savior. No, Christ came to save sinners. It's our self-righteousness that keeps us from the Savior. And we will not submit ourselves to the righteousness of Christ. That's a problem. But if God showed you you're a sinner, I know it's awful. I know it's awful. There's no excuse for it. Oh, we hate it. But don't let your heart doubt. Christ came to save sinners. Salvation belongs to Him. And He gives it to His people freely. Now, I'm not up here this morning giving you a fairy tale. I'm not up here this morning giving you a, a, uh, just a heartwarming story that's not true. There's a concrete reason that all of God's elect shall be saved. They shall be. And the reason is this. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. And if God Almighty has saved you, if He went to the extreme to send His Son to this earth for you, to obey God's law, to be made under the law, and to obey God's law for you, if He went to the extreme of humiliating His Son, to make His Son appear in the likeness of human flesh, in the weakness of human flesh, if He went to the extreme to make His Holy Son sin for you, and to slaughter His Son as a horrible, horrible, bloody sacrifice for sin, if He made His Son your substitute to bear what you deserve, what do you think God's going to do with you now? Huh? Now that the transaction's done, what do you think God's going to do with you now? If God Almighty has put your sin away, He will never, ever allow you to perish. The Father is not going to allow the blood of His Son to be wasted. The Father is not going to allow the sacrifice of His Son to be wasted. Would you allow something like that to be sacrificed to one of your children? And we're just people. We're just creatures. What do you, what do you think about God the Father? He's not going to allow the blood of His Son to be wasted. He's not going to kill Him in vain. Whoever it is Christ died for, they shall be saved. Because salvation belongs to the Lord and He's going to give it to His people. They're going to have it. Now this blessing of salvation, I mean, it's a spiritual blessing, isn't it? It's a blessing that's in the heart. But doesn't that help you as you walk through this world below? That helps, doesn't it? God's elect enjoy this blessing, the spiritual blessing in the heart, of the salvation of our souls. And we find, now we need money, we need silver and gold, but salvation of your soul is a whole lot better than silver and gold, isn't it? Even though our own sin and this world of sin troubles us, God's people enjoy the forgiveness of sin, salvation from that sin that troubles us. This earth is a, it's not a peaceful place. It's not peaceful in any way. But if God saved you, you enjoy peace with God, even though there's no peace in this world. You may be going through a trial that is, uh, it's just deep. I mean, we call them deep waters. We call them times of darkness and trouble. And we call them afflictions because they, they, 
But there's peace. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It may not be well with my body. It may not be well with my mind. But it's well with my soul. The peace. You can only enjoy that if God saved you. If God saved you, you can enjoy God's provision for you. When we can't provide for ourselves, whether it's much or little, we can enjoy it. God's people have the comforting presence of Almighty God, His Spirit in our hearts, and we're comforted when there's no earthly reason to be comforted. <laughs> the pain is the same as it ever was. The difficulty of the trial is the same as it ever was. The worry is the same as it ever was, but there's comfort of heart. And a believer wouldn't trade that comfort of heart for removing the trial. The comfort of the heart is better. When God saves a man's soul, woman's soul, that helps us all through this life below, doesn't it? Oh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that's lasting. Comfort and help to the believer. All right, now look at Psalm 32. Here's the third thing. God blesses his people with the forgiveness of sin. David talks about forgiveness here in several different terms. But in verse 1, Psalm 32, he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. At first, David says a person is truly blessed. This is a blessing from God when our transgression is forgiven. Now that word transgression, it means a revolt against God's authority. Transgression is to say, no God, I won't submit to your authority over me. I don't like it, I won't have it. Where do we get that nature and that attitude? From our father Adam. That was Adam's problem in the garden. No God, I won't have you be God over me. I won't have you make the rules over me. If I eat of this fruit, I'm going to know good and evil. I'll be able to say what's good and evil. I won't have God to reign over me. As Adam's problem in the garden, it's our problem today. It's the root of every transgression. It's our revolt against authority. It's to say, God, I won't obey your law. You've given me that law, but now I don't like it. Okay, I like this commandment, so I'll do that. I, this commandment, I can kind of do that, so I like that one. This one I don't like, so I'm not doing that. That's not fair. We'll, we'll just say, well, that's, that's old ancient writing that doesn't apply to today. You know what that is? That's rebellion. That's transgression. I won't obey God's law. God says, come to me. Ask for forgiveness. He says, Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Now come beg for mercy. Come beg for forgiveness. We say, no, God, I won't. I won't do what you command me to do. I will not submit myself to the righteousness of Christ. I'm going to go about and establish my own righteousness. Thank you very much. I can do this myself. Now that's Every one of us by nature. It's the nature of Adam. We're rebels against God's right to rule over us. And I'll tell you what that is. It's high treason. It's high treason. If somebody committed high treason against this country, we wouldn't raise a fuss if they put that person to death, would they? No, we wouldn't. That's high treason against this country. What about high treason against God? Huh? Every one of us is a transgressor and that way we revolted against God's authority over us. That's why David said, and we're all transgressors, but blessed is the man 
whose transgression is forgiven. Now when God forgives transgression, when God forgives this treason against him, he doesn't just say, well, it's okay. I mean, you won't do it again. Well, you, you won't do, if you won't do it again, okay, I won't punish you for it. That's not the way God forgives transgression. When God forgives the transgression of his people, he does it by punishing Christ our substitute for our transgression. He made his son guilty of the transgression of his people and he punished him for it. That brings me to this word forgiven. That's what the word forgiven means. If a transgression is forgiven, you're blessed. That word means, we had in our Sunday school lesson too, lifted off and carried away. God forgives the sin of his people, the transgression of his people by lifting it off of them and putting it on Christ our substitute. And he carried it away so that it is no more. That's how God forgives the transgression of his people. He did it by punishing his son fully for the transgression of his people. That's why the son of God died. He had to die for the revolt, the transgression of his people. And he did. And since Christ died, he rose again for the transgression of his people. That transgression is never coming back. It's been lifted off and carried away. I would have to say the greatest blessing a sinner could have before God is that he would forgive our transgression. What a miracle. What a miracle. Oh, how we've sinned against God. How we've revolted against his authority. And God forgives. Tell you, the blessed person is not the morally upright person who does everything right and doesn't need forgiveness. The blessed person is the transgressor who needs to be forgiven and God forgives them. God forgives them by punishing his son in their place. I tell you, if we don't have this blessing, the, the forgiveness of our transgression. No other material blessing really matters. It really doesn't. Matter of fact, all those other material blessings are just a curse that adds to our condemnation because we never say thank you, God. It never makes us seek God and thank Him for it. If you don't have this blessing of the trans, uh, forgiveness of the trans, your transgression, no other blessing matters. See, there's only one. Esau, you can have all the other stuff of this world, but it's only one. This is the only one that matters, isn't it? Then David says a person is truly blessed if their sin is covered. That word sin is different than transgression. It means an offense, a crime. Well, that's all of us. We all should be in those striped jumpsuits, aren't we? We're all criminals. Criminals before God because we've broken His law. And you know, we're not just come before the, the judge and they say, well, they're guilty of this one crime. We're going to have a trial, you know, about this one crime, sentencing for this one crime. God says to offend in one point of his law is to break the whole law. Woo! That makes us very offensive, doesn't it? it makes us very offensive because we've broken all of God's law. Now, when God covers the sins of his people, he doesn't cover it up and hide it, even though it's still there. You know, God's all-seeing eye. He'd still see it. He'd still know it's there, that offense of, of sin, if he just covered it even though it was still there. 
when God covers sin, He takes it away. He takes it away. He takes away the sin itself. He takes away the offense itself. He takes away the filth and the stench of sin by actually removing it. By covering it in the blood of Christ. So that it's gone. When sin is covered by the blood of Christ, it's gone. Now hold your finger there in Psalm. Look, look back at 2 Samuel chapter 12 for a second. I want to show you how we get in trouble when we try to cover our own sin. <laughs> you know, we've all done that. We've sinned and, and just tried to cover it up so nobody knows it. That's what David did. Remember his sin with Bathsheba? Well, he committed adultery with her and, and uh, she became with child. So David tried to cover his sin. He tried to get her husband Uriah to come back and spend the night with her. So everybody would think it's Uriah's child, but uh, Uriah wouldn't go home to his wife. He's so faithful to David. He went, he slept outside David's door. He would not go home to his wife. Well, his men, his other soldiers are back there. They couldn't go to their wives. They were still on the battlefield, so he wouldn't go to his wife. He's a faithful servant of David. Slept outside David's door. So David had this friend faithful, faithful man killed so he could marry Bathsheba and try to cover this sin. I don't know how long a time that took, but you know people. People can do math. <laughs> people can do math. Bathsheba starts showing. The baby starts to come. They think, it hasn't been nine months since they've been married. I bet some, now they may not have been brave enough to say it to David, but I bet he didn't cover his sin from people. And I promise you, he didn't cover his sin from God. God sent Nathan to him and said, David, you're the man. And look what David says here, verse 12 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. Or Nathan says to him, Thou did, did this thing secretly. You try to do it and hide it. God says, I'll do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Everybody's going to see how I deal with this, David. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I've committed a crime, an offense against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Oh, blessed is the man. Huh? Happy is the man whose sin is covered in the blood of Christ. His sin has been put away. David couldn't hide his sin. David couldn't put away his sin his sin against God, but in His mercy and grace to His people, God did it for him. God put it away. So he shall not die. Oh, if your sin is covered in the blood of Christ, how blessed you are. How ble You shall not die. You shall not die. God's blessed you. Then look back here at Psalm 32, verse 2. Blessed is the, is the man if the Lord does not impute iniquity to them. Verse 2. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now that word impute, you hear that a lot. People talk about imputed righteousness. Impute is an accounting term. People, when they talk about impute, it's just like, well, just God just counted it this way. They just, you know, that's not what it means. Impute is an accounting term. It means to count what's really there. You know, you can only count. You can only impute what, you, what is actually there. You know, you count your money and you impute it to your bank. It's what's actually there. 
You do. You can't impute money that that, that you don't have. I can't impute a million dollars to my bank account. You know why? I don't have a million dollars. You can only impute what you actually have. That's what impute means. This is an actual accounting term. You put on the ledger what you actually have, what's actually there. And the word iniquity David uses here means perversity and a moral evil. He's describing us by nature, isn't he? See, iniquity is not just what we do. Iniquity is what we are. We are perversity. We are moral evil. That's why we commit sin. Now here's the question. How can God honestly not impute what's actually there? My my iniquity is actually there. How can God not impute that iniquity, that perversity, that moral evil to me? How can he not do that? I mean, it's there. How can he not impute it to me? Here's how he does it. By making his people not perverse and not morally evil. The Father lifted the sin of His people off of them and He put it on Christ. He made Christ sin for His people. He imputed sin to Christ because he, it was there, because He put it there. And in exchange, He made His people the righteousness of God in Him. He imputed righteousness to His people because that's what He made them. See, He made them righteous. The only thing God can do is impute righteousness to them Count them as righteous because they are righteous. Because that's what God made them. So if the Lord Jesus Christ, if he suffered and died for my sin, I tell you, I'm blessed. Christ suffered and died for your sin. You're blessed of God. You can never perish. If Christ suffered for you, God's not angry at you. He already poured his anger out upon his son, upon Christ your substitute. So what's God, if he poured out all his wrath against your sin on your substitute, Christ covered it. His blood put it away. What is God got left for you? Huh? Nothing but a smiling face. Nothing but mercy and grace and forgiveness. Oh, you're blessed of God if your transgression is forgiven. Then look over page Psalm 34. Here's the fourth thing. God blesses His people with the gift of faith in His Son. Psalm 34, verse 8. David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Now this thing of trusting Christ is personal. Nobody else can do it for you. You must trust Christ. I must trust. You must trust personally. Now David tells us, oh, we've got a gospel to preach. David tells us, he said, I've tasted of God's goodness and mercy. God came to me and said, you shall not die. I've taken away your I've tasted it. Oh, it's sweet. I've tasted of his goodness. I've tasted the mercy of the Lord. It's a banquet. And every bite is delicious. Every taste is delicious. Now David says, now you taste it too. I've tasted it. Now you taste it. I tell you, there's nothing sweeter than grace, is there? Not to a sinner, there's not. I mean the first taste of God's grace. It's just as sweet as the very last taste of it before we give up the ghost in this life. God just keeps giving grace and keeps giving grace and keeps giving the sweet grace to His people and the believer never gets tired of it. 
I mean, how can you get tired of forgiveness? How can you get tired of mercy? How can you get tired of the sweet taste of God's grace? David tells us the Lord's good. Oh, the gospel is sweet to the taste. But now you've got to trust Christ your own self. You have to take his body and his blood and eat it and drink it. You must be joined to Christ by faith. You must call on God and ask for forgiveness. You must seek the Lord. You must come to Christ. It's not good enough to be close now. You must come to Christ. And I'll just, I'll just use food for this body as an example. I could see a table of real good food. And I could be starving to death. And I could smell that food. But it won't do me any good. I might look at the food. It won't do me any good. I might know how that food was prepared and all the healthy ingredients that went into it and how long you cooked it. and how. The... But knowing that, that won't do me any good. I might know biology. I might know if I eat this food, I understand the biology of how that's going to go into my body and be digested and go to all the cells of my body and how to help my body. I might know that. But if I don't eat it, that knowledge doesn't do me any good, does it? I may agree with others. This is good food. It tastes good. It's good for you. This is what you ought to eat. I might agree with others who are sitting eating it. But if I don't eat it with them, if I don't join with them and eat it, that food's not going to do me any good until I take it and I eat it. Now, the same thing is true, true spiritually. Knowing the doctrines of grace won't do me any good until I believe Christ. It's not doctrine that saves you now, it's Christ. It's good to know the doctrine, but just knowing is not going to help you. You must believe Christ. You must. Agreeing with others who believe the gospel, who believe on Christ, and they say, oh, Christ is sufficient. He's all it takes to save you. And you tell them, I agree. But agreeing with them won't do you any good until you call on Christ. You've got to believe Him. And I'm telling you, right now, right now, Where you sit, you call on Christ. You take, you eat, you you lay hold upon Christ. You eat. And just let the gospel roll around on your tongue. Just taste every drop of God's grace and you'll be saved. Your soul will be fed. Your heart will be strengthened. Now here's why David says the person who believes on Christ like that is blessed. I told you, you must believe on Christ. Let me let you in on a little secret. You can't do it. You can't, you can't make yourself do it. If you believe on Christ, you know why you do? It's because God's blessed you with the gift of faith. So that you believe Christ and you can't not believe Him. Do you believe Christ? Huh? Is He your all? Is He all you need? All you want? You're blessed of God. Do you not believe Christ? Did that illustration that I told you about agreeing that the food is good and, and understanding how it would help you and it looks good and it smells good, but you haven't, it's not going to do you good to you take and eat it. Do you understand that spiritually? You know in your heart, I, I, I understand the gospel. I hear it every week. I understand, but I don't believe Christ. Do you know that about yourself? What has told you where faith's come from? Call on God and ask Him to give it to you. It's a gift of His grace. Ask Him to give it to you. Ask Him. 
Oh, God blesses his people with the gift of faith in his son. All right, now look at Psalm 94. Here's the fifth thing. And as you turn, get a hold of your seat here. I'm going to make a statement. may get you. God blesses his people with trials. Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Blessed is the man when God tries him. And you might think, all right, preacher, now I was with you. I was with you earlier. You said we're blessed in Christ. I amen that. You talk about the blessing of salvation, the blessing of the forgiveness of my sin, the blessing of the forgiveness of my transgression, the blessedness of being covered in the blood of Christ. Oh, I amen you. I'm right with you. You talk about the blessing of the gift of faith. God gives me the gift to believe Christ. That's a blessing. Preacher, I amen you there. But being blessed with a painful trial? I don't know about that one. I, I, don't, I just don't know. Well, look at Hebrews chapter 12. I understand. I understand that feeling, what you're saying, but it's true. The Lord blesses His people with trials. You know, the blessing is not the correction. It's not the affliction. It's not the pain. The blessing is the result of the trial. The result of it. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If the Lord chastens you, if he scourges you with trials, you're blessed, aren't you? That's the evidence God loves you. That's the evidence he's made you a son and daughter of the king. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God's dealing with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, all of God's children are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. See, the chastening of the Lord is evidence I am a child of God. Oh, it's a blessing to know I'm a child of God. Oh, what a blessing that is. Now look at verse 11, that same chapter. Now no chastening, no trial for the present seemeth to be joyous, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. See, chastening doesn't, doesn't feel like a blessing when you're going through it, does it? No, it's painful. The blessing is the results of the chastening. It's what we see afterwards. It's what we learn afterwards. So there's things that we can only learn in the furnace of trial. You just can only learn it there. That's chastening. Trials, the corrections from the Lord, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And if you have that peaceable fruit of righteousness, you're blessed. That's why David said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. It's good for me because I learned something. I learned something I couldn't have learned any other way. I've learned it by experience. There's a difference between book learning and experience, isn't there? All my life long, I have known God's grace is sufficient. I've Heard it read. I read it my own self. You can read and memorize that from a book. If the Lord's given me any sense whatsoever, God's grace is sufficient. You can memorize those four words. But you know what trials teach us? 
Trials teach us by experience. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is enough to trouble my heart in the midst of that awful, awful, awful storm. Mary Greatbound. God's grace is sufficient to comfort my heart even though the storm still raging. When the Savior comes to you and says, Peace, peace be to you. Don't fear. Trials also increase our faith by teaching us to trust Christ more fully. Now I know the Savior will come. The, the God will come and He'll deliver in His time. Now I know it by experience. So when you know that by experience. The Lord, He'll come. He'll deliver in His time. At the right time. Then that teaches me next time to trust Him and wait on Him. And when the trial is over, now I see what the Lord was teaching me. He taught me something here. And any time the Lord teaches me to trust Him more fully, to rest in Him more fully, that's a blessing in you. You're blessed. All right, now last, I'm going to give you something. This is good. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is something you take with you everywhere you go. If the Lord's blessed you with the blessing, like Jacob was blessed, if God blesses you with the blessing, you're blessed wherever you go. Whatever you're doing, whatever it is you may be going through, you are blessed. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations on earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and they shall flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, that thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. All the Lord's blessed you with the blessing. He blessed you in your soul. He saved you. He's covered your transgression. He's forgiven you. I tell you, you're blessed. You're blessed if you're city folk or country folk. The Lord bless you when you go out in the morning, when you come in in the evening. He'll be, you'll be blessed in your family. Whether your children all believe or not, you'll be blessed in your family. You'll be blessed in your possessions. Whether you have many or whether you have few, you'll be blessed. Your enemies, they'll, they're, they're real, but they'll not prosper against you. The Lord will drive them out. Where it is you go, God's blessings are going to overtake you. You're not going to outrun them, and the Lord will establish you. Establish you. He'll make you a holy people unto Himself, and you will have all these blessings and never lose them. Because God says, I command them. To you, 
I command them upon you. Oh, if the Lord's blessed you with the blessing. You're blessed, aren't you? Blessed. And that's the blessing I pray. I beg God He'd give each one of us. And that's the blessing I, I pray, Lord, give us the wisdom to seek after it. That's the blessing from God. All right, let's bow together. Our Father, we thank you for this blessing. The blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation, redemption, forgiveness of sin in Him. And Father, we cry out to you as needy, guilty sinners. We cry out to you as your children. Father, bless us. Bless us for Christ's sake. Oh, would you bless us with the covering of our forgiveness of our transgression, the covering of our sin. Would you take it away from us and bless us with your presence. Bless us, Father, for Christ's sake. Father, would you get glory to your name. Show forth your glory in our day by giving this blessing to this people here. Father, it's in Christ's sake. For his glory, the sake of his name and his gospel, we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.